0: And we're live. What's up, man?
1: How are you? (laughs) I'm doing quite good. I just came back from a nice hike with my friends. Uh, I just set up this drone my girlfriend got me. She likes to, you know, spoil me, treat me like a princess.
0: All right. right.
1: (laughs) So, and that was pretty nice. Uh, I couldn't get the thing to go up, so I'm charging it now. Hopefully it's something with the battery because it didn't go up and it kept hitting the wall. So, and that's just (laughs) maybe it's just me. Maybe sometimes
0: you want things to go up and they hit a wall.
1: That's right.
0: Um. Yeah, dude, going on hikes is an important thing because you want to be a a poli-sci major, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's basically where I want to get into.
0: You need to go on hikes, talk to your friends, ask them Mm -hmm. questions, like have them try to point out flaws and things you think, and that's how you grow.
1: Mm -hmm, Exactly. Like, I think I try to, like, invoke, like, nature into almost everything I do. Like or, I've gotten way more spiritualistic in the last couple months because of COVID. I mean, I was spiritualistic before it, but like, I think um, I resonate with my environment so much more well now because I'm more into it. I'm more in it. I meditate in it. You know, I try to take all the natural energy around me and, you know, resonate my positive energy into my environment. And I love animals, too, so I love nature uh, uh, we'll
0: talk we'll talk about that, but first, who are you um, uh,
1: and,
0: uh, why didn't I invite you on?
1: Well, my name is Fernando Leva. I just graduated from Hopakong high school um I'm eighteen, and uh I think you invited me on because i I started a uh b l m protest in my town, and it's kinda you know controversial because it's uh it's a very, very conservative white town, so you wouldn't expect something like that coming out from here, but it was a support the Black Lives Matter protest here in our town's park, and it was very successful.
0: Right, and that was awesome, man. Congrats, mm-hmm. by the way. So, yeah, explain how you got involved, what the process it was like, the hurdles you hit, and then the success of it.
1: Oh, God, the hurdles. <laughs> they're, they're, that's a long story. Um, So... I got together with my friend. So um, I have a family member in my family who's at high risk if they were exposed to, you know, some sort of uh, to COVID. So I was with my friend and he asked me if I wanted to go to a protest in uh, Wharton and or in. Maybe in uh, Clifton, I I forgot where it was, but um, he asked me if I could go, and I said um, I can't because my mom wouldn't let me. My mom wouldn't let me go to a protest because you know my dad's at high risk. So I we were talking, and we got the idea. How about we start a protest here, and you know, in Hopakon, which is predominantly white and conservative. You know, we thought it was controversial at first, but it's like. It's such an important issue that you really just can't ignore. We're talking about a humanitarian crisis going on with, you know, black individuals who, who that black individuals in this country have to live in fear constantly when they leave the house, if a cop stops them and what the outcome might be. We live in this kind of hysteria with a lot of things that, you know, invoke that sort of hysteria. We, it's just a total mess. So I decided to, you know, I wanted it and if if I can, I don't know if this might matter, but I'm a progressive individual. I believe in progressive politics. Uh, I, uh, you know, I'm just starting off. I can't say I know everything about, you know, about everything, but I'm just starting off and uh, my ideology is mostly progressive. But anyways, um, we decided, hey, let's do it here. And, you know, Let's show these people that people like us, people who, ha- who know that what's going on in America is not good, and to say the least, is disgusting, is unhuman, unhumane. I, we decided, hey, we can't let ourselves be shadowed. We can't let ourselves be so like, you know, pressed up against by these kind of like, forces around us. And we got to just let the people know that we exist and that people like us. The people who care about human issues, human rights for others, we exist in this town. And that kind of sounds like, uh, you know, oh, I'm saying that Sally Sue does not, you know, does not believe in, um, in human rights for others. No, I'm not trying to say that. I'm just trying to tell them, hey, if you want to say that, hey, uh, this issue, you know, it's bad, but it's like it's, we're paying too much attention to it, then you're not listening to the core of the issue. We're talking about human rights being stripped away from African-Americans. And it's a systematic practice that has been going on for ages. All right. since the dawn of this nation and people are just trying to ignore it because, you know, if they start talking about it, they might get it uncomfortable. So I decided with my friend, all right, let's start the protest. We got a group of like, we got a group of nine girls, very strong, independent women. I was very impressed by uh, how they worked along with me. I was very grateful. And uh, in in terms of the hurdles, it's like, so we started the thing on a Wednesday and we planned it for the Monday coming up. Uh, I had to, so in a town like this, it's dangerous for, I would say it's dangerous for someone like us to, you know, Produce this event because of the kind of people we have around us. So, to assure the security of the event, all right, I I wasn't, I didn't contact the police in order to, you know to to stop uh, looters from coming or you know antifa from coming that wasn't gonna happen all right that's something they try to like invoke on us try to invoke this fear that oh antifa was gonna show up and take over our thunder i'll tell you all about these hurdles they're ridiculous you said
0: people people were coming from the bronx oh
1: no yeah no we had a we had a councilman all right i had to speak to a councilman because apparently these there were these you know um these rumors that people from the Bronx and Hackenstown were being, were being like sent from the Bronx and Hackingstown by BLM Morristown in order to burn down the city town hall. How, how absurd is that? That's like ridiculous. And like what's sad about it, it's like, they're trying to get into it with, 18 year olds with 17 year olds all right with right with with people who have a message for everyone else with people who have a bright and you know beautiful message of human rights or you know to say the least decent message they try to get it in with us and try to stop us so by stopping i mean we had people on facebook constantly trying to invoke fear and saying that this was going to get um stolen by these people from blm morristown that antifa was going to take over and start riots all right people try to say that it was just not safe to start a protest in the park because oh uh what happens uh, because we closed off some streets what happens if someone gets in an emergency and those you know those roads aren't able so that person could die it's like dude these same people don't have a problem When we do something like Hopak on day in Hopak. Right. I was just going to say that when we have something like the Trump boat parade, they don't have a problem at all about that. In fact, they're going on and supporting it, but it's not the same when we're talking about basic human rights. I think it's ridiculous. And the amount of people we had to, once again, the hurdles we had to go through, we had, you know, we had some people who who's try to like say the organizers themselves. They we had some people try to say that the organizers were uh trying to start like a race war with uh the people of our generation because you know one of our some of our organizers were just calling out people on social media for being racist, which they were. All right, mm-hmm. and for people trying to like state their opinion. All right, for the opposite, for the opposition, and then when you state like it's like hey, your opinion is. You know, I'll just say it's bullshit. It's not like it's not. We're talking about human rights for someone. You're you're trying to argue and you know, try and sway yourself somewhere else. You're not trying to lean somewhere else, but like we're obviously calling out that if you don't want to pay attention to this, fine. You don't care about human rights. That's what she was basically saying. And you know, this person starts crying and you know they post for you know forgiveness and for pity. And it's like it's just a constant recycle of people doing that and people playing the victim card when they have a a view that is unhumanitarian so right, right. when those people are called out i think they are justly called out because if you want to say something on social media you have to understand that you can be attacked with what you say on social media especially if it's a controversial view and the amount of times i got attacked all right for being for for going against you know right-wing views On my Snapchat or on my Instagram, the amount of times I've got attacked, have I ever cried about it? No, I haven't. I haven't because it's like each person I I, I have to come against with for some reason, they think it's like a part, they think it's like, it's like a, it's a game. It's who wins the argument. They're not trying to actually spread ideas and learn from each other. They're just trying to say, oh, I'm going to win the argument this way because I'm bringing up this fact, this fact, this fact. It's like, dude, I'm not playing games. People all the time, they try to tell me, oh, oh, but this was a Democrat idea. Oh, but this is something that Obama brought on. I'm like, I don't care. It's like you're trying to put me in the same boat as the people who like those uh, individuals like Obama or the Democrats when I am someone who's a progressive. They don't share my progressive ideas, so I don't care about them. So why do you automatically assume that I'm like, you know, for something that I'm not? So those kind of people were called out and they try to, you know, their parents try to say, oh, they were starting a race war and, you know, big conundrum there. But and the end of the day, even through all these hurdles, we had really good uh, media. You know, a lot of people were coming in support for us. So we can't, we can't, you know, downplay those people. And we're very much appreciated because, you know, over like 250 people went to it's small town, you know, a small park. We had an open mic where many African-Americans from the 1% that we have in this town, basically came out to speak and to talk about the racism they deal in this town. And. I feel like when I, when I saw those people coming out to let go of those feelings, I, may, I think that's what success is because they came, they came to tell their feelings. They came to spread reality, all right? to spread truth, especially on the people who were younger there, and tell them how they view life. It's like we live in parallel realities. Everyone lives in parallel realities. I, I as a brown man, have faced way different things than a white man has. I have faced racism my whole life ever since I was a kid. And in this town, in our education system, in the store. So in the end of the day, I think it was a massive success because a lot of people came and a lot of people came and let go of their of voices and, um, and yeah. I don't think
0: I Yeah, man. Thank you. Thanks for the explanation. That was literally like you hit all the points, which was great. I don't like mm. the less I have to talk, the better, really, when I uh-huh. do this thing. So yeah, perfect. Um yeah, I think really, and you touched upon this, I think one of the main points really between sides, whatever, you can call it something called sides, we can just call it mm. points in the universe. It's mm. it's miscommunication. Mm. And that's one of the things I liked about the protest, because I went to the one you organized and I went to one of the Parsiphone. Mm. And people, you know, they—I I think they're getting miseducated from the media, specifically if they're watching something like Fox News. And by the way, you know, it's up to people to change their own minds. But I also think, um, I think a lot of it's miseducation. So, like, I do have empathy for people who think differently, because then, because then, like, you know, people like us who do support the idea of police reform and stuff can actually have a conversation and like hear them too, which is important because. You'll get more flies with, uh, what is it? You'll get more bees with honey than vinegar type of thing. Mm, yeah. But, I mean, that's what happened at the, I think that's what happened at mostly um, at the protest in Opacon because uh, there were people who, there was that one couple that said all lives matter and they explained themselves and no one got like pissed at them and they just said what they thought. It was like an open dialogue really and mm-hmm. there was no race war. So like, I don't yeah. know why people were getting so, and that happened similarly in the one in Parsippany. Uh, this one kid got out there and said, hey, like, we have to remember that not all cops are bad. This is like more of a systemic thing. And no one got pissed. It's just, I think social media exacerbates these things and makes them seem much worse than they are. Mm. Because it's like a bad, it's a bad forum. You know, ancient Greece, they used mm. to have like, not colosseums. what do you call them? Uh, I forget what they're called. Not auditoriums either. The, but anyway. Amphitheaters? Am-
1: amphitheaters. Amphitheater- thank
0: you, brother amphitheaters where people would just talk and have a dialogue and you get Mm -hmm. to hear new perspectives and that's how you grow, man. You don't, you know, I I think American society, particularly, I, I think people are like bonsai trees, you know, like we cut Mm -hmm. parts off of us that can grow because we're afraid to grow. We're afraid to get too big or Mm -hmm. even change how we are. You know, we want to stay as a bonsai tree. We want to stay as dogs with collars on us and we're Mm -hmm. afraid to actually grow out and be wolves and fend for ourselves. So, uh, I guess my question to you is: How do we, like, people from both sides, like even people? I, I really find people on the left too. It's like it happens everywhere. We're afraid to open a dialogue, but you opened one up, which I really appreciate. Especially mm-hmm. someone in my town. How do we have dialogue with each other?
1: Oh, well. So, like, how do I have dialogue and like the intention to inform others or like? Are Either just about learn something?
0: or in, learn and understand.
1: Well. I think it's like, hmm, it's like such a, it's such a systemic problem. It's It's not, it's not like just like, you know, if we fix something of communication skills between the two of us, it'll be better and we'll learn from each other better. It's like so many things skewed in one. You have mass media corporations, right? Some of them who are truly unfair, especially like to like, for example, progressive ideas, like you have what's supposed to be the left wing MSNBC. You're, you're, you have them and they're supposed to be left wing, but yet they run like every single negative ad, every single negative story on Bernie Sanders. All right. Who has like true left progressive ideas. And yet like, it's, it's such a, it's such a problem that you can't, it, you have to take money out of politics. <laughs> I think that, I think that's one of the first things you have to do in order to get people to actually talk together. Because, right. because without that, you're going to consistently have that, you know, sort of loop, in Congress, so that sort of loop in the media—you have to, you have to start like, you know what I'm saying. I, I don't know how to really explain myself. You have to
0: cut the, you have to cut the head off of the snake. I don't uh-huh. think we should have i uh, I don't think we should have like a revolution like they did in, uh, like Cuba or uh, like mm-hmm. Russia yeah. or something. Uh-huh. But like, I don't know. Have you read, have you read the manifesto yet, the Communist Manifesto?
1: Oh God, I did it a fresh my freshman year of high school. I, I, I really didn't uh take much out of it you know but uh i sort of understand it just... right
0: so when you read it you're going to read it again in college if you, if right. you go the political science route mm. and um you know like part part of the thing is like there's this thing called like i will call it critical social justice theory and it's basically what you're talking about where, where you can talk about all these problems like well there's racism there's sexism there's classism but they all they all stem from one thing and it's like we could call it capital or capitalism, but really mm. it's just like the idea of ownership and wealth inequality. And if we don't bridge that gap and, and have mm. more progressive ideas, mm. because we can't we can't have a revolution like like they did in Cambodia or something. You have a power mm. vacuum and then people, millions of people die. We, we've had this experiment before. Mm. But what you can do is have more progressive ideas so that that ownership isn't so, well, what would we call it? Like monarchical, like Jeff Bezos is essentially a king. Yes. Right? So He owns the Washington
1: Post and he gets to constantly funnel his own views into the Post and people, you know, that's what they say. That's what they choose to believe in because they have nothing else, especially older individuals. Oh yeah, newspaper.
0: exactly. Yeah, people don't really know what their news is coming from. It's all the Mercers, mm-hmm. the Rothschilds. Um, oh, there's another, oh, George Soros on the left. Mm-hmm. And, and Bezos, obviously, because I just yeah. learned that from you. Yeah. And it's like, we can, we can actually fix things if we have more progressive ideas. So, like, with the police reform, I don't think it's a, we should, you know, abolish the police or have a police Duh. state. How about we just figure out maybe we need more training. Maybe we need to invest more in Definitely. other parts of the community. Stop you know, some, and-
1: like, practices like, you know, broken windows and um, stopping frisk, you know, stop right. those practices because they're totally unconstitutional. You know, right. demilitarize the police itself as well.
0: Exactly. Like there, there, there's common sense things. And like, you're definitely more like I'm, I'm center left, maybe radical center, center right. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But like you're more on the left than me. I've mm-hmm. talked to people that are more on the right than me. Mm-hmm. And we all pretty much agree on the same thing. And mm-hmm. that's, that's where I think the communication comes in. And it's important to have these conversations. But you're right. That's not what's going to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. It's going to help. But what's going to solve the problem is talking about actual reform and and mm-hmm. focusing in on that. Mhm. So I agree. yeah. So what kind of what kind of reform are you personally interested in seeing?
1: Uh, <sighs> Medicare for all, you know, free college tuition for everyone. I mean like there's so many things, stop these endless wars, you know. Right. Uh, stop, you know, having Trump, you know.
0: It's have
1: yeah, Suck off! I'm sorry. Suck off, uh, the Saudi prince. All right, we we gotta stop that sort of ally because it's totally disastrous. It's always been disastrous, you know. Like they follow they follow an ideology close to Wahhabism, like isla Islamic Wahhabism, and that's the same thing as ISIS, you know.
0: Oh, okay, like extremism.
1: All, yeah, we funnel all this money into to them. Like, where do you think that all those guns that we like, you know, all those arms we sell to them go? You know. They're basically Mm -hmm. starting – they're basically creating a genocide in Yemen right now, you know, blockading all the ports and everything. Kids are starving. 86,000 kids have already died as of 2018. It's, like, disgusting. And, like, (laughs) you wonder why, like, how how has the US, U.S., you know, the country of freedom and liberty, how has the U.S. not stopped that, you know, humanitarian crisis, that disaster? It's because yes. the people in power, you know, the people in power are in power, and like for example, the Senate and the House have both, you know, they both voted to stop our like stop funding uh, basically Saudi's like uh, support to Yemen, like they're stop funding uh, support to Yemen, uh, Saudi. I can't speak. I'm sorry. Stop okay. funding support Saudi Arabia, and when they're doing this to Yemen, but Trump vetoed that bill. He vetoed that bill because he has close ties to the Saudi prince. So, yeah. It's like, there's so many, uh, stop the endless wars, you know, invest in the green new deal. Stop, like, you know, we need new green technology that we should be right on that track already. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't be, you know, constantly focusing on coal in the midwest we should you know bring jobs back to america instead of shipping them out in like the transfer like something like the tpp something like nafta or the us mca which is basically nafta 2.0 you know yeah
0: it's It's so it's so ironic and annoyingly ironic that people on the right like conservatives will be like uh you know which by the way isn't true there's there's been studies on this that illegal immigrants take take people's jobs it's like Uh, well who do you think is sending the jobs overseas it's you yeah exactly who's who's and you're you're it's not even good jobs it's sweatshops and like slave Mm -hmm. labor and stuff like that and
1: those and those people are the ones who constantly support the right-wing people who support these kind of trade deals and then they're like where's the jobs And then they blame it on the Democrat and it doesn't make any sense to me. It's like totally illogical because the Republicans are essentially always in power in most of these, in most of those districts and, you know, states. And yet they constantly vote for them and never get what they want. So they blame it on the other side and still constantly continue the loop. So it's just awful.
0: I mean, Marx and Engels wrote about this in the manifesto, like, Mm -hmm. like the rise of capitalism will be its own undoing. Like, and that's what's happening. I mean, other countries do it right, by the way. I'm not a communist, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, there's good ideas and you have to in the past and you have to like understand that they're good ideas. Mm-hmm. If you look at Germany in like the 60s, 70s, 80s, they had like a welfare state where there was a market and there was redistribution and mm-hmm. uh, you know, all the Nordic countries that are doing it right. And like Canada and you see it with us and it's just, we've had this racket for such a long time where people in politics have realized they can lie, they can influence media. And they can just steal money from people. They can I mean, get
1: whatever they want.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're going to Jeff- fucking Jeffrey Epstein's island and fucking kids. Yeah, they can exactly. And get away with it. They can yeah. get whatever they want. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. All they got to do is, you know, hire someone to kill them and, you know, hire someone to take care of everyone who's in correlation with them. They have power. As soon as you get power, you're unstoppable. And, you know. You know this is kind of funny. It's like power should be something that comes from the heart. I know that sounds kind of corny, but I I just heard that from a from a a Naruto episode <laughs> just oh, I love right episode. A, couple, a couple minutes ago. A really good one too, but um that's what power should be, but unfortunately, you know, power has become something else in terms of the United States of America. We're not using our power for obviously proper things. We're using power to get billionaires richer. So. And none
0: of these people at the top, I don't think, I really don't think they're happy. Like uh, like in Buddhism, uh, in the Dhammapada uh, Buddha talks about like men that are greedy and men that are just evil and mean, like they're never going to be at peace with themselves mm-hmm. because it's like, well, it's like, I forget where the saying is from, but if you keep drinking salt water, you're going to be thirstier. And that's what like power is. You're going to keep mm-hmm. drinking that power you're just going to get thirstier. You know, there's, there's billionaires. I forget which, Oh, it might've been civilized to death, a, a book I read. Mm-hmm. And there's billionaires who work 12 hours a day. Like you're obviously not happy with mm-hmm. money yet. You're, you're, you're feeding into this own system that breeds your own unhappiness. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think if we just had someone benevolent, like uh, like Machiavelli talks about the, the good emperors, right? Marcus yeah. Aurelius was one of them. There was five of them and they were very kind to of people and very generous and it uh the roman empire was great during that time and it's like man it's 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 hard to i think it just comes down to it's hard to fight people that are i don't and i don't mean this in an ableist way because i don't think all narcissists and sociopaths are bad people but people that are that hungry for power and they are narcissists mm-hmm. and sociopathic and psych- psychopathic they're fighting against an actual good person who might not have that same intensity Or hunger for power. It's hard to fight against that. It really is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: it's exciting, man.
1: And so many people, I don't know how so many people support those kind of individuals, you know? Mm -hmm. It's because of that sort of, I think, like, people want to resonate. I want to, like, you know, want to be like that individual. They, like, support, like, you know, they basically show what they are like. Like, that hunger for power. They, They like that, especially white males. They love that because they've always been used to it. I don't give a shit about it. Yeah, exactly. That's exact and that's exactly right. And you know, like you said, narcissist psychopaths, we have one in the White House right now. Right. So it's like and I don't know how people are still, you know, supporting that guy. I mean, like right now the presidential race, oh my god, I hate Joe Biden. I'm sorry, but I absolutely like I feel like so many people on the left have to like have to be silenced when it comes to Joe Biden because he's the Democratic nominee now, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, he's what you have. It's like, no, <laughs> I don't want to support someone like him because he's disgusting in a lot of ways. and yeah. it's like Nina Turner said. She said, uh, it's like Joe, voting for Joe Biden is like eating a half a bowl of shit, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, like voting for Trump would be like eating a whole full bull of shit, yeah. but. Still, you're eating half a bowl of shit. It's not going to be something you can swallow easily.
0: Right, but a lot of people would rather eat that half bowl. Yeah, than full
1: bowl of shit. exactly. <laughs>
0: good choice. I don't yeah. know. Like, I know th- I know it's a metaphor, but now I'm thinking mm-hmm. about it realistically. Like, you already ate a half a bowl of shit. Uh-huh. Maybe you would eat the whole – I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: God. I- I'm not sure about that. I don't even think I want to eat the bowl of shit. I might just –
0: Obviously, yeah. Totally yeah. Bad, but... Yeah. Yeah, if we're forced, it's like, damn, dude, like, I don't want a guy who's the two really just should be the president of hair sniffing being our mm-hmm. president either.
1: So. <laughs> no, that's nasty what he does to like the like those pictures of how he acts around like little like girls. It's like, you know, it's uh, uh, no, it's not too great. But what's more disastrous is this whole like, you know, voting bill, voting for the war of Iraq, voting for the mm-hmm. Patriot Act, you know, voting for being the architect of, you know, basically the crime bill, basically what puts so many people in jail right now, you know? Um, he's just not a, <laughs> he's always been against marijuana. Apparently there hasn't been enough studies now that marijuana is good. You know, it's just because he's like propped up by the medical, by the healthcare and right.
0: companies. Like, I, you know, it's crazy too. A lot of these guys, no like especially the neoconservatives and neoliberals cuz they are the same people. Yeah. Um
1: they're exactly they're both right. They're both on the right basically. Yeah.
0: O- Obama and Bush except for a few like social things were really the same president if you yeah. look at their actual policies like, yes. and yeah. um, but I mean these people know that they're they're not right but they still support these things because of all their constituencies and like mm-hmm. you said like the pharmaceutical company Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Sam Harris said this on a conversation with Jordan Peterson mm-hmm. you cannot be the president of the United States if you don't pretend that you believe in God
1: oh god uh, yeah nah, I, I can I don't like I myself am sort of agnostic I'm Me, not really yeah. of a believer at all I, I'm a yep. agnostic atheist really mm-hmm. and I feel like even I received that sort of pressure in a town like where I live right now, because if I say I'm not for God, it's like, you know, I'm the devil. So
0: right, it, it's it, all about creating apostates and that's how you create yeah. an enemy.
1: Yeah. And the majority is, you know, I mean, the majority is not like, you know, anti-atheist or anti-agnostic, but the right. majority is obviously different. So they would most likely lean with someone who's like them, you know, rather yeah. than someone who doesn't believe in their core values. So,
0: Right, right. Well, I, I definitely used to be one of those militant atheists and militant Christian people. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, as you grow, I'm, I'm probably the same thing as you are, like a spiritual agnostic, but like mm-hmm. actually an atheist because I, I don't actively believe in God. That's what that means, really. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, like it's just, you know, man, faith faith really isn't, as someone who's not a, like a faithful person, mm-hmm. that's why I consider myself spiritual. And like, if you're a good person, man, religion's a powerful thing and and like Mm. it can help people with their moral well uh uh, like their moral paths i guess and not that it can control it but it can be a good like light in the dark of a cavern
1: i feel like yeah i feel like religion can be you know a beautiful thing it's just the way that you know society has treated it when it comes to law when it comes to power You know, when it's like, it's just like, you know, I think it's kind of derailed the message for many religions. And I think like, as for myself, the reason why I consider myself spiritualistic and not religious is like, you know, I feel like religion kind of like goes into like, there's kind of like one like set way of how to Mm -hmm. really believe, you know, it's your Bible, it's your Quran, it's like your, you know, the book that you study and it's the, those rules and set principles that, you know, uh, make you who you are they set your values they sell you set your morals and you know in a lot of ways it's been positive for people I just think like me as an individual I guess I'm like I like to not follow a set of things I like to go my own way I like to feed off from what I get from what I receive so when I have my energy I always have positive energy I like being I like you know positive vibes and I like reflecting that in you know into mother nature and i just like enjoying and being conscious about everything around me and you know yeah there's a
0: there's a bunch of mindfulness to that too if you're conscious Mm. of everything around you Mm. and it's easier when you're in nature because that's where we're supposed to be Mm. so so it's like easier to concentrate without all of this stimulus where the the human today has has more stimulation in one day than someone in the middle ages had in their whole lifetime so when you escape back to that place I really do think it brings it, it, it just brings you back down to earth man cuz mm-hmm. we're out in space right now like we're yeah. on Mars with no oxygen yeah. and and we need to come back down man we need to you know like when Goku goes into space and it's like oh well it, it it's the same fight really cuz it's Goku mm-hmm. but it's like well it's scarier cuz it's in space we got to come mm-hmm. back down where it's less yeah. scary I love hikes man you get around all that oil that's in the air from the trees and the plants. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's nice to escape and meditate in there for real.
1: Exactly. I've always had like a connect. I love going on hikes and uh, staring at insects. I love insects. I love every animal, but insects I've always had like a strong attachment to. I don't know. I just like observing them and not like, I don't like touching any, like sometimes, you know, I touch them animals, but like, especially like frogs or like insects that could like ruin their wings or ruin the oils on their skin. So like they could die, you know, that's why I don't really like harnessing them or like touching them. But like, like if I'm sitting in a forest, sometimes, you know, bugs come up to me. I, I, I don't know if that's just something that happens to everyone, but like, there's been a bee that came onto my, like, you know, on my shoulder and you know, it'd be my little, my little homie and we would just relax there being one in our environment and i just get such positive energy fresh air you know beautiful sun beautiful views from the my environment that i just like resonating in it i like constantly being in there especially here in Obacon, we have pretty good forest here we have actually really yeah. forest, and these are especially the forest i grew up in so i have a child like you know a childhood connection to it so i kind of know it from be- like i've always known it in my whole life i know a lot of woods around here and it's like you know, I like to be kind of like a guardian of the woods as the trees are guardians to me. So it's, of, uh, it's like a mutualistic sort of uh, relationship.
0: Yeah. And when you're feeling positive, I mean, I've noticed that about me around animals too, like the calmer mm-hmm. I've become, it's like how a dog can sense if you're stressed and if you're not mm-hmm. stressed around it, the chances of that dog biting you go down so much. Mm-hmm. I think, I think insects are the same way. And yeah. well, and there's probably something natural to that too, like one the oils and the pheromones you let out. Mm-hmm. But I also think like you look at ticks, ticks know that you're around them because of the CO2 that you're breathing out. Yeah. And if you're calmer, you're breathing slower, man. And it's probably has something to do with that too. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's good for everyone. Like even, the, and I say everyone, I mean the animals, cause like everyone's calm and like Really we're all just the same shit anyway. We're really yeah. all just electrons. We're all We're all energy, right? Like I yeah. that years ago but just didn't know how to explain it. We're all just like energy that's carbon,
1: oxygen, stars. nitrogen, right. hydrogen. We're just all a bunch of elements basically. Just yeah, formed we, in different structures, yeah.
0: We're stars that watch porn and jerk off in the sock. Yes. Weird animals. <laughs> mm. And Fantastic. yeah, man. I mean, I'm a hypocrite a little bit cuz I am a vegetarian. But I also oh. like there was a big giant, I don't know what it was. It was like a grasshopper, but it looked like it had a leaf on its back. Mm-hmm. Dude, I flicked the shit out of that thing off my uh, screen.
1: It was at fl- the, the picture on your, uh, yeah. On your Instagram. Uh, yeah.
0: I was like taking a nice picture with it. I was like, <laughs> hey, cheese. And then I was like, all right, get the fuck out of here, bro. Uh,
1: nah. <laughs> it was, like, I- i'm i'm very i'm very hesitant to even like touch an insect uh, like my friends always make fun of me uh, because oh, of that's it cool
0: man yeah. uh,
1: I'm very hesitant like a- ants especially i like like for example, we were at the beach the other day, and there's a bunch of stable flies you know they bite they bite I'll hard fuck those guys <laughs> yeah they bite hard, and you know I- they started biting me, I was like, all right, it's all right, I can get used to it, but then mm-hmm. like my whole knee was covered with ten of them, and it was just. Brutal, so I had to, like, you know, kind of shoo them away. We had to move from the beach because there were so many flies. My mom put, like, you a bunch of clothes on her whole body. So, like, my mom put clothes on her head, towel on her, like, on her chest area, thigh, stomach, legs, everything was covered with my mom. She just put clothing. She looked like a dead body, and just <laughs> <laughs> there was like 20 flies just flying around her the whole time and apparently they're like, you know, increasing in population and having to, you know, migrate to certain areas more because of climate change. So, you know, so many things are, so many things are interconnected, especially when it comes to political sciences and the way of our life. That's why I'm Mm. so interested in, you know,
0: it is, it's all, it's all philosophy and it's all science really. And it's mm -hmm. all truth and it's about finding truth. And, I think that's why so many people that are like psychologists and neuroscientists and mm. ecologists and poli-sci people and philosophers they all kind of talk mm. i mean we look at socrates who's really a political theorist as a philosopher mm. he even called himself a philosopher someone like sam harris who's a neuroscientist we call him a philosopher so uh, you know someone like Ion hersey who she's like an apostate she she got um she suffered from female genital mutilation. She's like she writes books. She's a philosopher. And they exist in all realms. And really none of this would have existed if it wasn't for climate change because that's why mm-hmm. people had to start agriculture. Because like, um, you know, the sea levels rose and they're like, well, we can't we can't walk around these same places anymore, so mm-hmm. we might as well we might as well put stuff in the ground and that's how we got <laughs> oppression and ownership, and that's why you and me are talking right now. So it all yep. goes back to it all goes back to one Thing, really exactly. and it's yeah and then we're gonna die and then that's it
1: <laughs> Woo-hoo.
0: it's yeah it's from point a to point b really fast man everything's zero to 100 but it's also constant it's really mm-hmm. like um so do you think anime to um to segue do you think anime has influenced your life at all and like who you are as a oh person?
1: god uh well i i don't really when i was a little kid. Like, maybe 5th grade, 6th grade, maybe when I was 10, 11. I watched a lot of anime. That was when I watched anime. Like, like before this year, I haven't watched it probably since 7th grade. Uh, I just decided to watch Naruto this year because I had a video game about it, and the video game was so freaking awesome. So what I, game? Uh, it's uh, Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Ninja Storm Full Blast 3. It's a long
0: Full oh, Blast.
1: Yeah. Uh, that game is so good because it's in the – It takes place in an arc during uh, Naruto. Do you know what an arc is? It's, like, you know, section throughout the show. I I know what an arc is. All right. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know how uh – uh do you do you watch a lot yeah. of anime too or all right
0: i don't watch a lot i probably i probably in the same boat as you where like i mean i wicked oh. like i told you this when we were talking like i wikipedia a lot of anime right. so i could like watch them in my brain instead of just watching the whole series i
1: i have a friend who's like that he likes watching it like it through like you know review uh videos from like yeah and like,
0: and, like youtube hacks. and shit
1: uh uh-huh. and it's cool and it's, like you know yeah. i've done that with other shows not so much uh naruto i've been just watching that but uh has anime ever influenced my life i think really not <laughs> uh, i i watch animes like attack on titan that's not never gonna you know what am i gonna learn about like titan people killing giant naked humans yeah, don't it's, bite someone's mother's head yeah, off yeah don't do that yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: you
1: know great great ideas uh i watched like soul Eater if you know that one or fairy tale like
0: Ah, fairy tale. The wizards of Naruto. Uh, Yeah, basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Except Naruto's. I think Naruto's definitely better than fairy tale. Oh,
0: yeah. And you. Like, Naruto's an anime. You can actually. Like, there are anime. Like you said, you're not going to learn anything from. Like, a Mm -hmm. devil may cry.
1: Naruto, you can definitely learn things from, though. is very. Like, I I think that's where you were going to segue to, right? Yeah. Naruto's very, like it's very it gives you a lot of um lessons like there's a lot of like you know good quotes that i actually see in nard so it's like thing things that they say and i'm like oh wow that's actually kind of impressive i didn't know that would come like, like i forgot what it was something about a samurai i'm trying to remember it uh i forgot it was something of conviction and something about the samurai and he said something really really cool and i felt really empowered after that like i got up you know worked out a little bit and I right. felt good about myself yeah. yeah but uh if any anime would change my life I think it would be more so Naruto I don't think it's really going to heavily change I just really like character development mm. a lot in anything yeah. I watch so I'm really in for it for that sort of aspect and it's doing a really good job
0: yeah uh, I think I know th- is that when he f- is that when the samurai guy I think his name's Fu or something he's fighting the the poison guy
1: yeah, Lord Donza, So it's Mifune versus uh, Donzo. Yep. Uh, the salamander, yeah. right? And it's I forgot what he said about conviction. Eh, I'm trying to remember. He said something after the guy dies after he kills him. And he's like, "Why didn't you? Uh, why didn't you do this?" And uh, I, I'll be honest. I I don't know. I don't remember. But even maybe after the Zoom call where you look at the video and uh send you what he says because word yeah. i would
0: love that yeah
1: yeah
0: i mean i you you do i mean i grew up with naruto i don't know if you were watching it like when i was in seventh grade you must have been in fourth or third grade Whenever you're my,
1: you're my sister's grades right yeah so yeah yeah i would have been in
0: third all right I would have been... so some naruto was on uh a... we're cutting out a little bit and it's fine because i'll keep talking uh okay. Naruto was on Toonami when I was around that age, and it just taught oh. me a lot of things about persevering and, uh, like, you know, friendship, really. I mean, the, the, the friendship between Sasuke and Naruto. A lot of us mm-hmm. have friends like that that maybe are, you know, a little bit on a darker path, and then sometimes we are that friend who's like the moon, and uh, I had this friend, Sam, who passed away, and he was always, like, Believing in me, even when I didn't, and he kind of felt like the the Naruto to my Sasuke, even though I'm not nearly mm-hmm. as cool as Sasuke. But <laughs> especially during wrestling, it felt like that, man, because he was like the mayor, uh, and I was like this kid uh, that no one believed in, but I would I would win sometimes, and uh, yeah, dude, it's just it's just beautiful for motivation. I think. That yes,
1: stuff like. yes, I can. I would be. I think. Like, I feel like if I was like sling down, I might like watch a couple of Naruto the good ones, inspirational, ones, because they're actually like actually really like i've never really thought about that in any show i'm not the sort of i don't watch like like stare like sitcoms or i don't watch like any sort of like normal like csi or law and order i don't watch any any show it has to be really good acting i can't stand not good acting it's not because like you know "Ah, i'm a good actor it's just like something i've always been used to when i was a little kid My parents wouldn't show me Disney movies, all right? Really? They would show show me like Tarantino movies, like Winston Tarantino movies. So so when I was a little kid, I grew up watching rated R movies. And I've always got used to that acting, that intensity when they act, you know, the emotions, the passion-driven, you know, monologues or whatever they have in those movies. And it's like, I always grew up with that. And I'm like oh my god this is awesome that's what inspired me to be an actor because besides going into um going to college for poli sci i'm also majoring in theater oh cool i am very i'm an actor so uh, when it comes to understanding other people i think like acting builds that bridge more efficiently because for example if i have to become a character that let's say for example I had to become a six like an eighty year old Jewish grandmother, you know? Right. I I did that for a show. I had to become I had to get copy the accent. I had to get the dress. I had to, you know, get the makeup. Everything. All right. I was a I was a grandmother on stage. But the way I I came about in becoming that was through, you know, getting a feel, getting a view of what the other person feels like, you know, knowing their culture knowing where they come from knowing the time period they come from so like every single thing in their environment creates who they are as an individual so i feel like that intensity you know that sort of examination that sort of deep analysis i like having that with very very um powerful characters for example like naruto who has like you know like it's surprising in an anime how much he's like you know he actually teaches others about how much he actually understands others about, and his sort of character is actually really interesting to, you know, examine. It's like, if I was Naruto, I feel like his decisions, like his decisions were obviously properly made since that's his character. And he's such a charismatic person, Naruto. And Mm. I feel like anyone who watches Naruto will take a lot from it. And, just like other shows, like, for example, like, non-animes. I, th- I think instead of Naruto, a show I think I grew out most from is, like, Breaking Bad, for example.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: Like, Breaking Bad, I feel like I learned more on how much you can fuck up. How much you can fuck up with your relations with others when it comes to having power, when it comes to having greed, when it comes to having money. I feel like I learned more from that show than any other show and i can go on for hours talking about breaking
0: that but i don't know i don't think that's yeah. what you want right <laughs> no dude it's fine no we're talking about we're, i'm not here to, uh-huh. i don't want anything i'm just here to talk and like uh-huh. learn discuss. so because i haven't watched breaking Bad, so oh, I, sure. i'll definitely ask about it in it for sure um mm-hmm. what's interesting though is i think a lot of these characters speak to us as humans just because mm-hmm. biologically we like these archetypes uh, carl mm-hmm. jung talks about this a lot like naruto is like the trickster archetype i think where he you know he does a lot of things to be goofy but when it's time to get serious you can get serious it's kind of mm-hmm. the role that jesters court jesters played for a very long time and it's also growth and um it's like the story of indra and Ashura, i think in hinduism and it's just about like duality too i mean the whole sun and the moon thing and mm-hmm. these things are so deeply entrenched in the human psyche that they just speak to us and then When they're presented in a different story, they can speak to us in different ways and present things to us in different ways, right? And that's why these things are so powerful, because they're heroes. When we were just monkeys, someone who climbed up and got an apple was a hero, because he was the one who, or she was, I don't care, like, whatever. They were the one who were getting laid and procreating. So, like, it just came through and through and through and through again until we had, like, Greek heroes and the Epic of Gilgamesh. And it just comes all the way through to, like, modern superheroes and stuff and, like, people in anime. And it's just just really relatable. So what was it about Breaking Bad that you found most relatable? There is some technical issues, and it's fine. I will do my best to fix these folks. Sometimes they happen. Sometimes they happen. Fernando uh, is no longer with us, RIP. No, he just left, and it's fine because I can go off by myself. Considering Breaking Bad, I have never watched the show. I'm not a Breaking Bad fan, but I can say, I think what's important about the archetype of Walter White is redemption, right? It kind of, I mean, is it Jesus? Like, I don't know. Because Jesus had I mean, the lowest moment of his life is, is a sacrifice. So here we go. All
1: right. I'm so sorry. My computer is malfunctioning or something. It's just frozen with my face, just with my mouth open. And I look kind of like, ai don't know, some sort of fish on my
0: screen. It happens, if you can hear me. Yeah. Dude, I'm I, on my phone. I, you know, I was just talking about how,
1: Can you hear me now?
0: Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, I can. I can hear you. All right, all right. Yes, hello? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Yeah, I was just... Cool. No, that's cool, man. Don't worry. Things, like, come up. And uh, I was just saying how I think Walter White from Breaking Bad is kind of like a a neo-style kind of Christ-like story because there's a death, a sacrifice, rebirth type of thing. Mhm. Your, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, well, can you repeat what you called in uh, Sorry, it, it kind of cut off.
0: Oh, it's okay. I think I think the story of Walter White, not entirely, but it is very Christ-like in that you know he was at the lowest point in his life, and there was a lot of stress because he was doing what he was doing for other people. Like they're not exact parallels, but there was mm-hmm. you know oh. there was a sacrifice for the greater good of. His family of man, of humankind, whatever you want to call it, and then you know maybe the rebirth isn't physical, but there is a rebirth of sorts with like the ethos of the people around him
1: yeah, okay, yeah, I would,
0: yeah, I guess it's just like you know,
1: it's like Walter White, it's like the driving force of his character is obsession, like his obsession for power, like that's what creates him, his ultimate character at the very end, mm-hmm. um so. Like, I don't know if that, if that's like, I I can understand the Jesus Christ part where he has to, you know, sacrifice a part of himself into something that's like, you know, what in our culture we call evil, you know, in other cultures, it's like, you know, a living that's like what they have to go through to, you know, create that capital. But in this, in this case, it's Walter White who starts to get obsessed in something he's so good at because he has so much knowledge in chemistry that, um. He gets, you know, he thinks he's the best, and he is the best. So it that, you know, funnels into his madness and keeps uh, keeps this recurring uh, want, this recurring desire for power to grow stronger and stronger.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's something that, I mean, yeah, I mean, I had never watched the show, but you've explained it pretty well. I mean, I kind of know what happens, but I think your explanation was better. It's just... um it's just like sinking deeper. In, I mean, it's kind of what we talked about before, you know, like the pursuit of power is its own undoing. And, you know, mm-hmm. like you say, like you, you really have to be careful about that because it's going to cost you everything in the end. It's like, it's a story of like every other drug dealer, you know, like Scarface. He just kept getting more mm-hmm. and more powerful till, you know, his sister was like, do you want to fuck me, Tony? And then he killed a whole bunch of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So about acting, like what kind of, are you doing anything in the acting, acting world right now or before COVID?
1: Uh, So, you know, COVID under these times, I mean, acting under these times of COVID is like way too difficult, especially, and even in like school, like I'm taking an acting course. It's like, I'm not going to really be able to even go back to school or even go to school in the very first semester, because we live in New Jersey and the, you know, what's at stake is high here. It's like really, you know. We're not in a good situation as other states are, or better conditions than other states. So Mm -hmm. because of that, I'm not gonna be able to attend college this uh, semester. I'm just gonna be attending it virtually. And in terms of acting, I feel like I can describe myself more as a methodical actor more than anything. So Mm -hmm. I like to really get into my character. I like to be my character. I like to go into practice, you know, where I take deep breaths and I try to like, you know, create this illusion in my own head that I'm actually the character. And sooner or later, that illusion actually becomes my reality as the character, because I become the character. Mm. And it's just, just so, and I've like, I've always been fascinated by that art. I've always been fascinated by who I can become, who I can feel like, like when you become a character, it's like every movement, every, you know every sort of reaction you have is from the character. It's genuinely from like someone else who's taking over your body at that moment. So that sort of drive, that sort of like art is right up my alley. And um, in terms of acting, I like to, for example, I like to create a biography for myself, for my character. I like to, you know, um, come up with like certain things that uh, will get me used, like certain mannerisms that will get me used into my character field throughout the day, even when I'm not on the stage or anything or on camera or anything. But in terms of acting now, I'm really not doing much. I mean, I'm getting some monologues ready so I can uh, audition for some things at my college. But um, other than that, I'm not really uh, acting at all. but I do have a camera here and I was thinking recently maybe I should shoot some short films, just myself, make yeah, it I very, do it. I, I don't know. Yeah. I was thinking it. like something like, ah, uh, something really suspenseful. I love suspense. I think suspense is, a, uh, I don't know what you spell, but suspense as an emotion is like, uh, you know, so powerful and it makes your whole body, your whole sympathetic nervous system act up. So like, mm-hmm. it's something that requires, uh, it takes a lot more in and, I don't know. I think suspense as an emotion is just way cooler than anything else. And that's kind of what I want to do with these videos. And it's not, you know, suspense just to create suspense. I would like to, you know, actually create a story that is, you know, intense a story that actually, that I can really relate to. Maybe something that happened to me in my, in my life, maybe something that happens to people all the time or, you know, anything. Mm Mm-hmm but that's the kind of thing I'm going to start getting into as sure. in the next couple of weeks, if anything.
0: Well, I love it. I can't wait to, uh, you know, I, I really do still hope you start making your own stuff because otherwise I'll have to watch uh, your college's zoom re-endition of 12th night. Ah, um, uh,
1: yeah. Um, yeah. But this, is a,
0: this is a perfect uh, jump off point. Um, before we close here, there's two things I always do. Firstly, I would like, if you could, you know, this is where you can plug yourself. If you have a YouTube, your podcast, your your oh,
1: okay.
0: anything, your social media. This is the this is the place to do it, man. This is the time.
1: Alrighty, so uh, I have my channel called the Flave Show. I'm not very active on it at all, but I might, like I said, I might be making videos soon in terms of short films. I how I might start like getting back into the podcast and start talking more about politics, since you know I'm a growing believer i'm a growing you know hopefully you know revolutionist i, I don't know I, I, I think progressive ideas it might be the revolution to go but it might it might not hit this country for at least a couple of years so if you like that sort of stuff you know come on my youtube channel the slave show on youtube and if you want to send me memes or anything send it to my instagram the slave show on instagram
0: and I think we talked about it. I believe that I will send you this video. Um, I think this video will also be on your YouTube as well. So go watch it there too and yes. watch other stuff. Um, and before before I cut the recording, stay on the line for a second after I do so. I always I forget to say that at mm-hmm. the beginning. Uh, I want you to leave the folks with a book you like or you think people should read or a quote.
1: People should read or quote, all right. Uh. Let me see. I, I don't really like to read books. I know I'm going to have to read a lot in college, but (laughs) I do have a lot of nice books here that I know I like a lot of these books. I wouldn't read myself. I haven't read a lot of these, but my mom always recommends me to read these books and she's a anthropologist. She has a master's from Columbia university. So she's a very, 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 she's probably the smartest woman I know. And, I learn a lot from her, and I will, oh, my God, I'm trying to look at a book really quickly. There's this is <laughs> one, I think it's called, I forgot who it's by, uh, here it is, here it is. This is a book that my mom constantly tells me to read, and when I tell you this book, I might start reading it, you know, just because she always recommends it. It's called The Mushroom at the End of the World by Anna Tsing. Ooh. It's a... It's a uh, it's but the the description says on the possibility of life in capitalist ruins so it's a interesting book um that uh talks about the biology of the certain mushroom in Japan and how it like you know you can kind of make an illusion out of it or in terms of modern day society so in you know, a capitalist society so
0: I'm gonna add that to my reading list. Thank you. That sounds great.
1: No problem.
0: All right, everybody else. This has been. Uh, I'm gonna get your last name wrong, man. I, I don't know why. Maybe
1: I. Nah, you're good. No worries. Is that it? Leiba,
0: Did
1: you hear? Labor. Yeah. Okay. There you
0: go. So Fernando Leva with your boy Glenn, and uh, we're signing off. So bye. Thank bye. you. Bye.